Here's Judge Janine Puro. Welcome, everyone, to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. I hope everyone's enjoying their day so far and this 4th of July weekend. Some people have taken the whole weekend off. I, however, am not and have not. But uh, I hope that you're having a good weekend. And as always, we are armed and ready to serve justice with all my great listeners here on the Red Apple Audio Network. So, what a week it was in this country. We had a huge decision by the United States Supreme Court basically gutting affirmative action, effectively ending race-conscious admissions. Finally, color of your skin does not enter into whether or not you get into a college. And it was Sandra Day O'Connor who 25 years ago said, at some point, affirmative action must end. We apparently suggesting that we'll do it for a while to give everyone uh, a, a help up, but a hand up. But at the same time, you know, we've got to end it. And the Supreme Court ended it in the 6362 decisions. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to be hearing from Charles Payne uh, from Fox News, uh, who has his own thoughts about the ending of the affirmative action uh, admission policies. Uh, and, of course, the court said that it violates the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause, and it literally ends the ability of all colleges and universities, public and private, to consider race as a factor in an admission process. And Justice Roberts, for the majority, said we must have a colorblind admissions process, and the court permitted it for years, knowing that it would end at some point, and it finally did. And uh, so I just want you to know that even the 14th Amendment, upon which uh, generated this decision, uh, was enacted right after the Civil War. Equal protection, blacks and whites. And they said that race-based admissions violates equal protection. And it absolutely does. And uh, it it violates uh, a series of cases from uh, Plessy versus Ferguson and Brown versus Board of Education uh, that got rid of separate but equal. And, you know, it is to some people racist in itself saying blacks need a hand up uh, and it puts black or keeps black in a perceived victim status. You know, you're not as smart, so we have to give you a hand up. But what I believe and you'll hear from my guest today is that uh, we've got some problems at the lower end, lower schools, uh, the teachers unions, public schools, not preparing our kids as they should be prepared. And that's, I think, going to be the key to having uh, equal education in this country. We're also going to be talking uh, with another Fox News anchor, Julie Banderas. We're going to talk about what's going on with Hunter Biden and the fact that we've got whistleblowers coming out and saying uh, whistleblowers who only hurt themselves in coming out, they don't gain anything in their job, uh, uh, saying that Merrick Garland did not allow the Hunter Biden case to go forward the way any other investigation would have gone forward. And we now have the United States Attorney David Weiss contradicting Merrick Garland. David Weiss asked for a special counsel uh, so that he wouldn't have to go through Merrick Garland. And Merrick Garland, of course, is saying, oh, he never asked me that. Gee, I wonder why. Merrick Garland, you remember him, the Attorney General of the United States, who thinks that parents are domestic terrorists. Enough said about him. But we're going to have a great show in just a few moments here. It's all coming up on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. 
So never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2T.org. And up next here on the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with TV anchor and uh, New York journalist Julie Banderas on how bad the Hunter Biden investigation really is. Coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Show. This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Joining us now is a good friend, someone you're probably familiar with if you watch Fox News. She's a Fox News anchor. Please join me in welcoming Julie Banderas, who is a New York-based Fox News anchor. And she's been at the network for about, uh, what, 18 years. And during her tenure there, she's reported, of course, on many major news events. And uh, before that, she was even a weekend anchor at Fox 5 in New York, which I didn't know, but she was awarded uh, the Outstanding Single Newscast Emmy Award for her coverage of a Republican National Convention. Anyway, she's a great person with a sense of humor and is smart as hell. So let's hit it with Julie Banderas. All right, Julie, this morning I want to talk to you uh, about uh, what's going on with the whistleblowers and Joe Biden. Now, let me just recap it for my listeners. Uh, Hunter Biden is scheduled to plead guilty to two misdemeanor counts, uh, tax violations, and uh, nothing having to do with a gun. What most people don't understand is that he's not going to be uh, charged with uh, the illegal or illegally uh, signing a pistol permit application. He's just going to enter a diversion program, and then they'll dismiss the charge that he's never been charged with. Uh, but let's talk about the more serious issue, and that is the whistleblowers who say that they were stopped from pursuing investigative leads into the father and the big guy. What can you tell us, Julie, about that? I mean, first of all, the fact that Shapley has come forward and talked about Merrick Garland and Weiss and everyone involved from the top to the bottom, basically hampering their efforts to go forward with an investigation that had every reason to be investigated. There are so many red flags in this story, and it doesn't just stop at the fact that we're talking about the son of the president of the United States. We're talking tax evasion. You just mentioned the gun. That alone is uh, is a crime. Um, this is the former drug user, a crack cocaine abuser. They are not entitled or allowed to obtain a gun license. That's number one. Gun aside, talk about the tax evasion. The fact that the IRS actually conducted a criminal investigation. The IRS does not conduct criminal investigations unless why? They are seeking a felony conviction or a felony charge at the very minimum. This is a misdemeanor charge. Why do you think it's a misdemeanor charge? Nobody else in America would get this kind of gift handed to them other than obviously somebody who is 
the son of the president of the United States. And, and you know, Julie, the, the problem Biden is that no you know this reinforces yeah. the belief, having gone through, uh, you know, Hillary Clinton and you know her erasing thirty-three thousand emails, including classified documents, obstruction of evidence, uh, destruction of evidence, and obstruction of justice. Um, you know, it's within that context that Americans are, are quickly losing faith in one of the most significant institutions in government. But you talk about this guy, uh, Shapley, the, the IRS whistleblower. He's a major guy. He's a senior guy there. He took a lot of risk in being a uh, whistleblower. And he talked about the fact, Julie Banderas, that, you know, he was stopped from pursuing investigative leads. Specifically, he was told by um, a United States assistant attorney general um, that she could not ask whether or not, uh, I think her name was uh, Leslie Wolf, an assistant U.S. attorney, that she couldn't ask any questions about the big guy. She couldn't go anywhere near that, where they actually limited the parameters of the investigation, which is why he and a second whistleblower have come out. They talk about the fact that they that they were repeatedly stymied, that they had a search warrant. They were ready to go for Hunter Biden's uh uh, where he was living, and there was a second search warrant, and that was denied. They had probable cause. That was denied within the agency. I mean, what does that tell all of us about how much this guy is getting away with? It tells us someone's lying. So then you do process of elimination. Who's lying? Well, the president most likely is lying. But let's go down to Hunter Biden and those who should have been investigating him properly. Merrick Garland, is he lying or is the IRS whistleblower lying? Uh, I would have to say, if I was a betting person, I would put my money on Merrick Garland being the liar. The question is, where is the accountability? And will they go forward and actually begin impeachment proceedings after the investigation is completed to prove that Merrick Garland lied? I want to know if Merrick Garland lied, because if he did, he needs to be impeached. And well, I guarantee you know, the, just the, the, beginning. the issue, and you talk about impeachment, you know, they were in the process, Julie Banderas, of impeaching Mayorkas. Remember, they had the congressional hearings, and they never went to a vote on that. My understanding is that they didn't have enough Republicans. There were two in particular, and I'm going to get my name, their names for my listeners next week. Uh, two Republicans who wouldn't go for it, so they couldn't impeach Mayorkas. I mean, talk about a liar. But, you know, when you talk about uh, Merrick Garland, uh, the, the Attorney General for the United States, he is also not only uh, contradicting what is being said by the investigators, but the United States Attorney David Weiss says that Merrick Garland told him uh, that he could do whatever he wanted, and then when he got to the point where he wanted to indict in, uh, uh, I think it's in California, and I think the others in Washington, he was told he couldn't do it. He wasn't given permission to indict in other parts of the country. And he wasn't given the permission to indict for a felony, which would require the approval of the the attorney general of the United States. So Merrick Garland can claim plausible deniability. My staff handled it. But we all know that in truth, when you're talking about the president's son and an investigation that's pointing at the president himself, you're going to get the United States uh, attorney general involved. Had they not thwarted that, had they not blocked the charges and allowed them to go forward and indict in Washington. That would have turned into a felony charge, which very well would have turned into a conviction, which very well would have turned into jail time. And that is precisely why the investigation 
stopped. That's why it halted. That's why he's getting a misdemeanor, a slap on the wrist. And quite frankly, the taxes are just the tip of the iceberg, because not only does he have $400,000, according to Congressman James Comer, in unreported um, earnings from Burisma, He's actually, James Comer's coming out and essentially saying there could be upwards of $40 million that were collected from these different companies in exchange for policy favors. That's a damning accusation. He says it's going to come out in depositions. I can't wait to hear. Yeah, I can't wait to hear them either. But the interesting part, uh, Julie Banderas, is also, you know why we kept saying there's, why is it taking so long? The investigation began in 2018. Why is it taking so long? You know why? They were waiting for the statute of limitations to pass so that the bigger years where there was even more millions that they can prove, it would have been too late to prosecute. So they allowed the clock to, uh, they allowed the clock to tick. And therefore, uh, the, the bigger tax years of 2014, 2015, 2016, they they couldn't even indict for those because even though they started the investigation in 2018 and should have been able to indict for those crimes, they couldn't. And the outrageous part is they didn't indict for uh, you know, Farah being a foreign agent uh, and a lobbyist, uh, money laundering, uh, as well as the exchange of policy. Uh, for the pay to play. And now we find out that Christopher Ray with that 1023, not a classified document, the head of the FBI doesn't even want to give it to Congress that has oversight over him. And then we find out, gee, there are tapes, tapes that indicate that $10 million was going to Joe and to Hunter for policy so that Burisma could do business in the United States. And we already know that there's some, that there's, there's absolute truth to it because Joe has admitted he withheld a a billion dollars if they didn't get rid of the prosecutor on that company. I mean, the evidence is overwhelming. And you talk about tapes. Let's talk about the WhatsApp messages because (laughs) the WhatsApp messages between Hunter Biden and the chairman of a Chinese energy company state that he was trying to shake him down essentially for $10 million saying, hey, $5 million, that's a drop in the bucket. I could make that at any law firm, which, by the way, that's, speaking of a law firm, is where he was collecting money and hiding money because he did not practice law. He opened an LLC, and he took tens of millions of dollars that much of it was underreported. How is it that now you were allowed to get away with that in this country? Because, like James Comer said, potentially we're dealing with a crime family here. Well, I see it as an organized criminal enterprise, Julie. Yep. And in the end. No, there absolutely is. In the end, Comer said he's only dealt with one bank so far. They've got 10 banks. And what they've done, the Republicans in Congress, with Comer as the head of oversight, uh, uh, is they've done an incredible job in a few short months. Can you imagine what they could do if they had more time on this. And every day that they look at it, they can unearth all of these crimes, Julie Banderas, but there's no one to prosecute them. They can prove that Merrick Garland lied to Congress and perjured himself because uh, David Weiss, the United States attorney, and everyone says appointed by Trump. No, he was a holdover from Obama. He wasn't appointed by Trump. David Weiss himself is now saying that 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 Merrick Garland didn't give him the permission he said he would give him. He didn't give him the authority to indict for higher crimes. He didn't give him the authority to indict in other parts of the country where they would have had more significant uh, money. Uh,
So, you know, we've got some real problems in this country, and none of it's going to be solved while Merrick Garland is the attorney general. And that's what the the Democrats are so good at. They circle the wagons, nobody gets indicted, and they're in your face basically saying, what are you going to do about it? I mean, there are bank records. James Comer says there are bank records that show that money was exchanged. They will be subpoenaing. Uh, more bank records. They say that they have transfers from different shell companies that went into multiple different bank accounts that went to multiple family members of the Bidens, including wives, ex-wives, grandchildren. I mean, come on. Why are yep. Chinese Chinese funds coming in and being wired over to grandchildren? I mean, this is so ridiculous. Once they get the investigation rolling, once they have the evidence, they will have no choice but to move forward. How can you ignore these facts? Because they've done it, Julie, I agree with you, in a normal administration. But what has happened is, uh, you know, it's it's like I write about in my book, Crimes Against America. I mean, everything is upside down. You know, the police are defunded. There's there's chaos and anarchy. And, you know, law and order is looked down on. This is this is Looney Tunes. And let's assume let's assume that a Republican president gets in in 2024. And that's an assumption, obviously. But, you know, how much more time will pass from the statute of limitations? Paul Manafort was in solitary confinement in Rikers Island, not even convicted for being a foreign agent in violation of the FARA laws. Oh, Julie Banderas, yeah. we love you. Uh, you got to come back more. again. Thanks so okay. much for joining us. Love you, Janine. All right, take care. And never forget, join the Tunnel to Towers Foundation on its mission to do good in honor of America's heroes. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. And up here next on the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show, I will be speaking with Fox Business host Charles Payne. We're going to be talking about that affirmative action decision by the United States Supreme Court, as well as Bidenomics, which they're touting as a wonderful thing. The Biden administration is anyway. Coming up right here on the Red Apple Audio Network. This is the Judge Janine Show. The Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Welcome back to the Judge Janine Tunnel to Towers Foundation Show. Joining us now is a Fox Business host and a Wall Street expert. Uh, you may be familiar with him. He is a host of Making Money on Fox Business Channel. Uh, he is the head of Wall Street strategy. The guy, folks, is a genius when it comes to money. Um, he recently helmed a Black History Month special, Making Money with Charles Payne, Black History and Achieving the Dream, where he welcomed guests sharing their personal success stories. And as a Fox News contributor, he appears on virtually every uh, show on the Fox News Network. Uh, he began his career on Wall Street as an analyst at E.F. Hunton. He founded Wall Street Strategies, which is an independent stock market research firm. He is the chief executive officer and principal a- analyst. He published his first book, Be Smart, Act Fast, Get Rich, which I'd like to be and do. And in 2019, debuted, uh, debuted Unstoppable Prosperity, Learn the Strategy I've Used for Years to Beat the Market. Okay. All right. My good friend, Charles Payne, thank you so much for joining us. There's so much I want to get into into with you but i want to thank you first of all because i think you're brilliant and i love you now let's hit it this week the biden administration touts bidenomics pushing the new phrase to sell americans on the biden economy and to tell them say but 
And most Americans aren't feeling it because it's a disingenuous thing to go out there and try to brag about something uh, <laughs> when everyone knows it's artificial, it's temporary, and it's already sparked things that are so painful. Listen, we're coming out of forty, the highest inflation in 40 years. That's what happens when you pour $2 trillion uh, in the economy under the guise of COVID relief. That's what happens when you tell people they don't have to pay their rent for a couple of months, a couple of years. That's what happens when you tell people that they don't have to pay student loans for a couple of years. Yeah, you put a ton of money out there. I mean, you remember the old political saying, uh, Judge, uh, a chicken in every pot. Well, this is like that uh, a million times over, right? So, right. And we'll buy a chicken when... farm for every house. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so this is one of these things where you've got what they call nominal economic data. And, oh, the GDP number was up 5%. That's huge. And then you have what they call real data, real life stuff. This is what people listening to the radio show live. Uh, what happened to real life? How about real wages down 26 months in a row? Right. In That's a right. row. How about paying people twice as much money not to work than to work? So what did you get? You sparked what they call a wage price spiral. Who does that hurt? small businesses. They are suffering. They are grappling. They're trying so hard to compete. They can't. Uh, so now all of these things, by the way, are just temporary. So now we're lurching from the highest inflation in 40 years, and we're looking into the abyss of a recession. How deep it will be, no one's quite sure. Uh, but it will be extremely deep and extremely painful when it happens. And here's the thing, though. M Americans see this coming. Uh, over the last four or five months, they've taken their savings rates from around 2 to percent to about 4.5%. Here's the problem. Mm -hmm. Historically, it should be around 9%. People are trying to get ready for this kind of stuff. In the meantime, yeah, you have a lot of young folks who are traveling. Listen, if you don't have to pay your student loans, you do stuff with the money, right? You go to Cabo. All of that's going to come to a screeching halt. You're going to see an economy that's going to look like it just fell off a cliff. And I'm not what, sure when Charles it's going to happen, but it will. I don't mean to interrupt you, Charles Payne, but they said that we were going to be in a recession last year. They said it was going to happen this year. I mean, are we in it? I mean, is it going to get worse? Here's the thing, and you got to listen to me very closely. Okay. We've never, never, never had $5 trillion come into the economy in a two-year period. Printed money out of thin air. The last two and a half trillion was completely unnecessary. So, yeah, you know what? You go and you crunch your numbers and you've got these economic models. Your timetable is off. But the conclusion will be the same, except this time it's going to be a lot worse. Because here's the problem, for instance, with student loans. You don't have to pay your student loans, so what did you do? You spent the money. So now you have uh, – since 2020, the monthly uh, auto uh, loan has gone up 100 bucks a month. This is extra. The av average mortgage has gone up 450 bucks a month. That's extra on top of what you were paying. Uh, we have record credit card debt at record interest rates. So, yeah, it's been tough to kind of figure out when this has come to a halt because we've never – no one's ever had to crunch these kind of numbers before. And but it, now we know that all these so-called excess savings, there was, extra, there was an extra $2 trillion in the economy. Now the guess is that's around $600 billion, $500 billion, and it's going rapidly. Well, it's going to happen. So what is the ordinary American to do? I think they're trying to do it now. I think that's why the ordinary American is, is, is cutting back on things. The ordinary American is they're lifting their savings up. People kind of sense what's coming around the corner. 
In the meantime, they have what they call sticky inflation, things that just won't go away. Yeah, we got a little relief on food, but it's still so much higher than it was two years ago. Uh, so, you know, we've got these issues. On one side, there are going to be problems with paying for things that prices go up, but they don't come down nearly as fast as they go up, and they don't always come back to where they were. Uh, but your paycheck is going to go a lot less further. Uh, at least a million more people are going to lose their jobs, at least a million more. Uh, before the Federal Reserve is done. So I think the average household out there is sensing this already, and they're trying to brace for it as best they can. You know what's interesting, Charles Payne, uh, is the fact that historically uh, the the White House press office, you know, supports what the president is saying. I mean, you always – you understand what they do. I always thought they were trying to explain what the president and the White House were doing. But, you know, when you've got a – uh, uh, White House press secretary who said that uh, uh, Bidenomics was incredibly popular with the American people. You have to say to yourself, my God, are they are they clueless or are they trying to brainwash or are they stupid? I mean, I'm not sure what it is. You know, I think you got to say D, a little bit of all of the above. And let's just add in there that they're, they're going out there, unfortunately, and speaking to an audience of one. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's, and it's so it comes across as, as stupid. Sometimes it comes across as mean-spirited. Sometimes it comes across as being disconnected at other times. But that's the problem when you're speaking to the American public, but you're only trying to uh, impress or appease one person. And that's not the way it should be, right? They should be straight shooters. Give it to us straight. We're living this. So you can't lie to us. You can't keep BSing us. We live this every day. So at least come up and say, yes, we know there's pain, but but they don't even do that. Uh, you know, this is one of the hallmarks of the, of the Biden administration, by the way, from day one. Every time they botched something, it wasn't botched. And every time the public thought it was botched, the public was dumb. Hey, this you remember Afghanistan? Exactly. Biden said it was exactly. it was uh what did he say? Successful, uh, enormously successful at the Afghanistan. Yeah. yeah. Crazy. You know, un- unfortunately, though, it's too many folks in the media have provided a cover, for, and they've encouraged it. They've actually emboldened this arrogance rather than calling it out. Right, right. All right. I want to talk about something else here, and that is the Supreme Court decision this week where the Supreme Court handed down major ruling on affirmative action, where they literally rejected the use of race as a factor in college admissions as a violation of the 14th Amendment's Equal Protection Clause. And, you know, the amazing thing, Charles Payne, is that historically the 14th Amendment was drafted after the Civil War to make sure that uh, that blacks and whites were on an equal footing. And that's why they created the 14th Amendment, equal protection. Everybody is entitled to equal protection. And from there, we went to Plessy versus Ferguson and then Board of Education, Brown versus Board of Education, where they said separate but equal doesn't cut it. Everything, you know, you've got to have the opportunity to integrate and for everyone to go to schools together. And now, uh, 20 years ago, they decided, well, blacks need a, a hand up. And the Supreme Court yesterday in a 6-3 decision, uh, uh, I should say on Wednesday in a 6-3 decision, and Chief Justice John Roberts, a longtime critic of, of racial preferences of any kind, wrote the court's majority a decision saying the nation's colleges and universities must use colorblind criteria in admissions. Quote, the court has permitted race-based college admissions 
only within the confines of narrow restrictions. Such admission programs must comply with strict scrutiny, may never use race as a stereotype or negative, and must at some point end. And the court, Charles, decided that it was time to end affirmative action in schools. What say you? Well, it's definitely, um, definitely this this thing with these colleges and uh, even in New York City, I think like high schools like Stuyvesant High School, uh, you know, which practices uh, has practiced a de facto version of this, have been extremely anti-American. The ethos of America is pull yourself up by the bootstraps. Meritocracy is what we've always prided ourselves on. And the reason why we were able to catapult over all these other nations that existed for 2,000 years and more before we even came to being uh, has been at the core of our foundation. So the problem, though, and for me, there's a lot of angles from this. But for me, the biggest angle for me on this, and it's ironic because you see some of the comments afterwards, is how do we get here? In other words, why, do you, why did they think we needed to do this in the first place? To me, it comes down to the bigotry of low expectations. And yes. the same liberals who graduate from Harvard are the ones who go on to administer city, uh, city schools and education process. They become mayors. They become presidents. They become advisors to presidents. These, for the most part, these liberal progressives do not think black people are smart. They really don't. That's just the bottom line. Uh, and ba- in fact, if you read the, the uh, go back and look at uh, Wilson and uh, President Wilson, who was the first progressive superstar. He was the one who, who did the screening of Birth of a Nation in the White House. Yes. And it wasn't an accident. He believed in it. He loved it. Know. Uh, you know, he loved the movie. Uh, he just, he, he didn't, they did not believe black people are smart. Uh, and so what they've done is they've offered up watered-down education to black children from, from day one. And what happens is by the time the average black student, let's say New York City, is ready to graduate, and this is before the pandemic, a 12th grade uh, black student in New York City has a maybe an eighth grade reading level. Yep. Yep. So this person's not going to qualify for Harvard. So then they say, well, we'll make it up to them. We'll, we'll carve out some space and we'll just push some of them in. And then, of course, what about the kids who should earn that? In this case, it's really about this has been a whole anti-Asian thing, right? The, the Asian kids mm-hmm. have suffered the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it's completely backwards. If you, you know, this all boils down to the fact that the people who are out there saying they're trying to help black people by holding a few hundred spots open at Harvard really have very little respect for the intellect of black people. And that's the most insulting thing out there. But they've also put uh, black people in a position where you almost have to accept the Faustian deal. If you graduate from high school and you can barely read, then, yeah, you may need the government to help provide you housing. You may want some government food stamps. You may want some government this and government that and government this. I, I call it a Faustian deal. It's a, it's a raw deal. Uh, a lot of times you don't get to choose it. If you're born into the system, you're born into Harlem in the 1970s. This is the system you're born into. If you're born into Harlem in 2023. This is the system you're born into. They've been giving you a watered-down education the whole time and telling that they like you. In the meantime, they don't respect you as, a, as an intellect as a human being. Very, very well said. And, you know, the shame of this is uh, that it highlights, uh, you know, you call it the bigotry of low expectations. But 
But as you said, you know, it was the Asians that were the most affected. And, you know, the left now is going, uh, they're apoplectic and they're like, you know, this isn't right. We're not going to have enough brown and black people, uh, you know, succeeding in colleges and universities. Well, I think the problem is in the in the lower schools, in the, you know, in the lower schools, in the middle schools, in the high schools. You know, these kids, uh, I think it's half of the kids at third grade level in this country can't can't read and right i mean we, it's some um, incredibly from the public schools i should say it's yeah. some incredibly outrageous statistic in the end you got to look at people like randy uh, weingarten and say you kept our kids out of school for two years and you had every metric set up so that you could keep the schools closed no metric that would trigger the opening of a school and you know you come around afterwards and you say oh we did everything we could i had to protect the teachers people were dying and, you know, it's further, you know, creating a problem for poor children, irrespective of the color, who are in public schools whose parents can't afford to take them to a charter school, a private school, a Catholic school, right. whatever. Right. And I think it really speaks to the issue of, you know, the tax dollars being attributed to the child uh, and taken to wherever that child wants to go to school as opposed to the required public schools. Your thoughts on yeah. that? Well, I was on the board of a uh, charter school in the South Bronx for a long time. I finally left because I couldn't take the liberals on it. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when we would uh, – by the way, the South Bronx has changed, and, and the largest group of students are actually uh, just got here from Africa. Uh, and on the day – so we would hold a lottery because, you know, we were the, the applications, we, there was no way we could fill them all. And in days that we would call the names out from the applications, the parents would weep. They cry. Oh, I know. Tears of joy. They just can't believe that their kid may have a chance, a legitimate chance, because they know that the public school means that there's not a legitimate chance. And I want to go back to this education thing for a moment, because uh, two weeks ago, they put out the um, the National Education uh, Proficiency Report. This is what they call the gold standard. Mm-hmm. We have dropped as a nation, as a nation, our math scores are back to where they were in 1971. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Our reading scores are back to 71. Our math scores are back to around 1980. And this isn't just pandemic related. We peaked in both of those in 2012. Mm-hmm. So it's been 11 years straight downhill. But it's it's it, and so and of course the report said that black and Hispanic students actually suffered even more. And the reason I bring that up is it, to me it's so amazing because if you look at the dissent, for instance, from uh, Sotomayor, Justice Sotomayor, she says today the court stands. In the way it rolls back decades of precedent and momentous progress. How can you have momentous progress if kids are reading at levels they read at 50 years ago? That's not momentous progress. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's all a smokescreen. It's all a smokescreen. I also thought it was interesting, um, Justice Jackson, uh, you know, she had a big long thing out there, but there was one line in her, her dissent that kind of, I know, I just keep looking at it, it says, no one benefits from ignorance. I want to say amen, sister. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And of course, she wrote dissenting uh, opinion in one case and then recused herself from the Harvard case. But I want to thank you, Charles Payne, for joining us on the uh, Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Uh, God bless you and thank you for everything you. you do. Absolutely. It's an honor. Thank you so much. Take care. And never forget, that's a commitment we made on 9-11. Honor it by donating $11 a month to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Judge Janine. 
This is the Janine Pirro Show. Now, here's Judge Janine Pirro. Okay, now it's time for me to gamble out with my closing argument. So who is telling the truth and who isn't? Biden looked at us, he looked at the American people, and he said, bold-faced, I, I don't know anything about my son's overseas business dealings. But now we find out from witnesses that Joe Biden actually entered meetings, meetings with foreign officials where business was discussed. We already know that Joe Biden flew Hunter on Air Force Two to China, where Hunter secured a very lucrative business deal. And we know that Hunter demanded now $10 million from a Chinese energy firm connected to the Chinese Communist Party because, quote, the Bidens are the best. I have connections. He demanded $10 million to further the interest of his joint venture with that uh, Chinese Communist Party connected energy company, saying, quote, the Bidens are the best. I know exactly what I'm doing. And the chairman of the Communist Chinese Party linked firm uh, apparently moved $5 million within a couple of days after Hunter demanded $5 million and then another $5 million. And Hunter writes, I'm tired of this. I can make a $5 million salary at any law firm in America. If you think this is about money, it's not. But clearly it was. The Chinese uh, official sent him the $5 million. I mean, what else do you need? He says he's sitting there with his dad, and they want that money. And they got the money. And James Comer tells us almost $40 million has been identified as going into the Biden family. This is a corrupt family, folks. All right, so you heard it this morning. Affirmative action admission policies are out in college admissions. It violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. And it is about time. Knowing it would end at some point, Chief Justice John Roberts decided this is the time to end it. And uh, at the same time, students, though, are going to be allowed to talk about in their college essay maybe how race has affected their lives. But uh, the truth is it is time for that to go. Too many kids are being bumped out, uh, and we are a meritocracy. We are a nation that was founded on the concept that you work hard, you persevere, and you succeed. No more, you know, nobody getting uh, a leg up on anyone else. And the principles of the American dream are now available to everyone equally. You don't get a benefit because of the color of your skin. Now, the Biden administration and Joe Biden were very angry about it. Joe Biden said it wasn't a normal court. What he doesn't know is he isn't a normal president, but that's another issue. Uh, and uh, most people agree with this. Most people believe that uh, considering race as a factor uh, is in itself racist. And uh, it's time, just as uh, Lady Justice is colorblind, it's time for our education system to be colorblind as well. And further entrenching racial inequality, uh, you know, simply leads to less uh, diversity. And, you know, we cannot discriminate based on color. And that's the end of it, both ways. And as it relates to Hunter Biden, everyone, the saga goes on. Uh, James Comer says he can prove $40 million went into Hunter Biden and the Biden family's accounts, the LLCs. $40 million, folks, that's a big number. 
Okay, I want to thank you for joining us. I can't believe we're out of time. Make sure you join us right back here next week, same time, same place, for the Judge Jeanine Tunnel to Towers Foundation show. Have a great day, everyone. God bless.